this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, this is Andrew. And this is Tyler. Quick disclaimer before we start this show. We actually recorded this before the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent nationwide protests. Since then, we've been really trying to grow as allies and we're trying to become stronger uh, in our fight for racial equality across this country. That being said, this episode does touch on race and its representation in the piece of pop culture we'll be discussing today. It is important to understand that this is historical in terms of where it came from, but not representative of where we need to be in it as a culture. Thanks for listening. Thank you. My name is Bond. 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 James Bond. Hello and welcome to Pop Culture Brews, the podcast where we take a piece of pop culture we absolutely love, do way too deep a dive on it, and then at the end of it, we reveal to you the beer we were inspired to brew by it. I'm your host, Andrew. And I'm your other host, Tyler. And you might notice that we we sound like we're in two different places, and that's because we are. (laughs) Shocking. Surprise doing social distancing we are recording in two separate places from each of our houses and uh yeah good health good health cheers digital cheers clink (laughs) miss you buddy miss you too man it's not the same it really isn't (laughs) you know i i I prefer you like coming over here drinking a few beers talking nonsense it helps uh get us ready us uh, our vocal cords well lubricated to make a good show <laughs> it, it, it is important to have well lubricated uh <laughs> well lubricated uh vocal cords well right. speaking speaking of vocal cords mm, for, for nice. today's thank you for today's uh intro question favorite bond theme song yeah, I love that we're just jumping into this. This is such a huge topic. It's like important just to get right into it. Just, just right it. into it. Like James Bond <laughs> in, a, in a room full of women, it's important to get into it. Just <laughs> pick your favorite and just go with it. <laughs> so yeah, fa- fa- favorite Bond theme. You know, everybody like, you know, if you don't say uh, Goldfinger from by Shirley Basie saying it, like, you know, the number one it is Bond song of all yeah. time. You're, you're, you're wrong. Um, but <laughs> right, just to like favorite. mix it up a bit, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick two that I'm okay. going to throw out there. All right. One of them is, uh, Shirley Basie's, uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, love it. I, I, I love that song. I just, I just think of it. I just, Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, 
Yeah, and then the other one is uh, the Paul McCartney one. Oh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Yeah. Uh, I I love that movie way too much. How terrible! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that the one that has like the voodoo, voodoo magic? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And and yeah, yes. and James Bond um, obviously handles it very uh, very skillfully. Actually, we should talk about it because there's an interesting thing about Roger Moore released his diaries while uh, mm-hmm. or released his diaries from that time. And mm-hmm. so, I will get into it. Live and Let Die is basically James Bond does black exploitation, which uh, is hilariously doesn't work well because it's a white actor. <laughs> it, it doesn't work well because it's it, not only is it a white actor, it's a British white actor wandering around Harlem with some very very questionable lines. But there was this big controversy when Live and Let Die was being made in that he was going to sleep with Agent Carter, who is an African-American female from the FBI or the CIA. And yeah, she uh, saved uh, Amer- Captain America she and did. they became lovers eventually. There you go. Or is that a different Agent Carter? I think that's a different Agent Carter. Oh, okay. And now that I say it, I don't know that a lady's name is Agent Carter, but just go with it. <laughs> um, and a lot of white people were disgusted that Roger Moore, were, or a white actor, was going to be shown intimate with a lady of a different mm. race. And Roger Moore in his diaries was like, yeah, I know the controversy about this, and it just makes me want to play it more. And you're like, you, <laughs> you are awesome, Roger Moore. You get it. You, you get, get some, it. Roger Moore. <laughs> All right, what's your favorite song? All right, so obviously Goldfinger is, is a classic. I actually have the vinyl of that one, and oh, nice. I blare it out way too much. Um, but my other one is The Spy Who Loved Me, Carly Simon. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I would not think that one. It's. Right. I mean, it's because to me, The Spy Who Loved Me is probably the best Roger Moore movie and they get everything right in that film like they, yeah. they get enough of like the classic Connery big style I mean the 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 plot is essentially a remake of you only live twice except they don't make Bond Japanese in it um, <laughs> but they also get enough of Roger Moore's lightness and fun with the character it's also the introduction of Jaws mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that Bond theme after going from funky uh, white reggae of Live and Let Die, funky disco with uh, Lulu singing The Man with the Golden Gun, they, which, you know, Lulu, amazing and a national treasure, um, <laughs> they kind of went back to basics and went, no, we need like this sweeping, romantic, over-the-top Bond theme. Yeah. And that's what you got with The Spy Who Loved Me. Can I throw out... I just I love the I love Bond songs. I think yeah. they're so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw out some honorable mentions, and you can tell me whether you agree or disagree with them. Hit me. All right, uh, Thunderball by uh, Tom Jones. Oh, Thunderball, Bond number four, love it. Yeah, that I love that song. <laughs> like Tom Jones, like what a what a guy. You yeah. gotta you gotta bring him in, right? Like yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I'll throw out one more. Uh, Adele, the Skyfall song. Oh, when the sky falls. If if you have a Bond song and it makes it onto the radio and it's consistently played to this day, which is one of the reasons why I picked the Paul McCartney song. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a classic. You have to you have to pick that one. So I'll just throw out Tom Jones and Adele. Yeah. Um, 
do <laughs> I want to throw out another question to you? Sure. As like a subsection to this other question. Okay. Do you have a worse Bond, like the worst Bond song? Oh yeah, um, for your eyes only, and which is from the oh, movie. Oh, Easton. Oh my god, I hate that song. Um, <laughs> well, actually, no, because it, it kind of goes in a few eras. Um, because okay. I'm I'm only thinking classic, and I'm not actually including Daniel Craig's movies in this. Yeah. So I'll go two classics, and then the absolute fucking worst one. Now we're an E rating um, from the Daniel Craig era. <laughs> And so you got that one. You have All Time High from Moonraker, which I love that movie. It is cheesy beyond belief, but that song just fails on every count. I don't think I know that one. It's an all-time high. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I've, I've blocked it from my memory. Yeah. That's what happened. And then from the Daniel Craig era. So I think there's, I think there's a Daniel Craig movie that is more controversial than in, in, in the most controversial in his canon, and Daniel Craig movies seem to have, in the public's opinion, the reverse Star Trek. Where in mm. Star Trek, the even-numbered movies are good and the odd-numbered ones are bad, and Daniel Craig is the opposite. Casino Royale was amazing, Quantum of Solace not so great. Oh. Which... We're having a disagreement. <laughs> no, I love Quantum of Solace. I'm I'm in the minority there. Spectre, yeah. um, no, um, Skyfall amazing perhaps my favorite bond movie after from mm -hmm. russia with love then you get the abomination the one that i wish could be stricken from the record specter specter sam smith when he got the call he's like oh my god this is just how i imagine he talks oh my god it's amazing and i wrote this song in five minutes and i'm like <laughs> it shows sam smith it shows I don't even. Re I, I know what song you're talking about. I also. That's one of those songs I just completely blocked from my head because I thought it was terrible. It is awful. Um, and there's like tentacle porn <clears throat> happening. Yeah. In... That, the intro to that movie is disturbing beyond all belief. It's, it's like you're watching a Japanese hentai movie. Yeah. Which, if you don't know what that is, incognito people. We're not making a beer for hentai. Um, no. <laughs> and then the thing that really annoys me about that movie is like I can forgive a bad theme song um, in in a Bond movie because you know some good ones have had terrible songs, but like that movie starts out pretty pretty solid, mm -hmm. and then the halfway mark happens when they're in the desert. And then mm -hmm. you get a really cool desert scene, but right before that really cool video game shootout, you get, Oh yeah, James, we all raised as brothers! From Blofeld, spoilers in this episode. And then the movie <laughs> just descends into this really weird self-parody that even Roger Moore would be going, oh, Darling, I think you went a little too far. Too much. <laughs> I, I absolutely hate Casino Royale. I hate that Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig movie. I think it's really? terrible. Why, why yeah. do you hate that? It's just terrible. First of all, the song, the, the the song to that movie, you you play it and you hear it and you're like, we're in for a rough, we're a rough go right now. But can um, we just say R.I.P. Chris Cornell? Sorry, Chris. Yeah, one Don't of the greatest rock vocalists grave, of all time. But all right, okay. <laughs> this okay. killed your career. You, you know my you name by Chris Cornell. You're not a fan. <clears throat> no, that that song is awful. The other one that I really really hate is um, it's the one with Jack White. Oh, that is Quantum um, of Solace. Oh, uh, I can't remember. Is that another like, way to die? Another way to die. Yeah, that I don't. I like, like Quantum of Solace. I like Quantum of Solace. 
Okay, so we're we're both in minor, the minority here. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't like Casino Royale. Oh yeah, we oh. can get into it later. But uh, those two, but like historically, mm-hmm. the one that um, Duran Duran did. Oh, Dance into the Fire from View to a Kill from yeah. 1983. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. No, <laughs> was it 83? No, no, that was 85. Sorry, that was, was 85. Yeah. 83 was um, Octopussy. Yes. Octopussy. Another terrible song. It was okay. It's what's, like kind of the weird cheesy Bond thing. What's the song from Octopussy? All Time High. Oh, so what's Moonrakers? Uh, oh, Johnny oh you picked All Time High. Yeah. No, I that's thought... Rita Coolidge. Rita... No, no. Um, All Time High was Rita Coolidge. Yeah. I thought that was to Moonraker, not Octopussy. No, Moonraker is Shirley Bassey. And it's just called Moonraker. Moonraker. <laughs> no, no, nothing. <laughs> nothing all like that. <laughs> well, I, I, I stand corrected. I am, I am not the fan I thought I was. Yeah, that's it. This podcast is over. This, this podcast. We've you're, lost all our listeners. You're an imposter. <laughs> also, Tina Turner. Tina Turner, uh, 1995. Golden Eye. Golden Eye. I hate I hate Tina Turner to begin with. Whoa. Uh, well, then... I won't say hate. I extremely dislike Tina Turner. Listen her listen to her stuff me. with Ike. Yeah. <laughs> Are you seriously? I mean like Proud Mary is a classic. So Do I think know? we've gone through all the songs. Well, I have a pop quiz for you, Hotshot. Okay. Who wrote Goldeneye? The song. I don't know. You two's Bono and The Edge. Oh, really? Yeah, they wrote that. And it was a number one in the UK for like weeks. Interesting. I love you too. And uh, I love you. Now that I, know that, now that I know that song, I know that Tina Turner really spoiled it. Just completely ruined it. It was not the writing at all. It was just Tina Turner ruining that song. <laughs> So I think I think it's important to note that there's actually two Bonds in this world. There's okay. the original novel James Bond, mm-hmm. and then there's the James Bond that we're all probably more familiar with and know and love. Correct. Okay. So James Bond was created by a British writer, Ian Fleming, uh, with the first novel being Casino Royale in 1953. And what was cool about Ian Fleming was he actually worked for the precursor to MI5 and MI6 in World War II as a spy. Oh, I didn't know that. So there's numerous real-life influences on the character of James Bond. One is the father of famous actor and raconteur Peter Ustinov, whose father was, I want to say he was Ukrainian, but he worked as a secret agent for the British and the Allies during World War II. And this guy was an all-out action man, was very romantic with the ladies, and, you know, really really did a solid for the Allies during World War II. And so he's one influence. And then the other influence is actually famed children's author, Roald Dahl. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Roald Dahl was actually a spy. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know that he was a racist jerk but uh so was ian fleming that hated children (laughs) (laughs) so was ian fleming yeah and so roald dahl was actually uh, a known philanderer 
And he was actually sent on an official mission to the United States to try and get his state secrets uh, from America by essentially acting as a honeypot. Which, if you're not familiar with fictional and realistic spy parlance, a honeypot is someone whose mission is basically through amorous activities gain information so next time you read willy wonka and the chocolate factory know someone probably named his penis that (laughs) (laughs) he's a gross man he was he was a gross man so yeah ian fleming uh wrote a ton of bond novels and james bond in the novels is really the biggest mary sue in fiction i think he's tall good looking has very refined tastes an action man and kind of angry at the world and racist and sexist yeah i never really understood why he was so racist but uh yeah i think for the reasons we just mentioned (laughs) um and so the novels are a very strange affair in one of them and i believe it's the man with a golden gun you don't have the character Scaramanga, who in the movie is played by Christopher Lee. That actually ends with Blofeld in a field surrounded by landmines wearing a suit of armor. In the novel Moonraker, gone is the really cool plot where James Bond goes to space. And it's replaced with yet mm-hmm. another card game, which is the main plot of Casino Royale. Yes. And to be honest with you, the novels are crap. I <laughs> I cannot stand yeah. the novels. I, I've read a couple of them, and I like to collect the old 60s paperbacks because mm. the, the covers are really cool whenever you find them. But they're just awful. I tried to read, I think I think I tried to read Casino Royale back when I was in like high school. Yeah. And uh, I quit. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of, I think James Bond is one of the few scenarios where it's the exception that proves the rule yeah that the movies are much better than the book itself absolutely but what was interesting about james bond was you know they try to really get them traction in the united states and so the first time james bond was played on screen it was famously played by an american actor barry who, nelson barry nelson yes who went by the name <laughs> jimmy bond in in climax's climax theater which was a weekly one hour live studio drama play of casino royale and he was jimmy bond from the cia and he was trying to take down peter lore who was the main villain in m and uh hitchcock's original the man who knew too much it's a really fun thing to watch if you look it up on youtube the original casino royale i've never seen it it's really good it's like i mean it's good in that kind of 1950s tv kind of way which black and white black and white very blocky very staged everyone foreign has an outrageous accent 1950s 1950s and so in in the 60s uh two film producers took notice of the novels and those were albert r cubby broccoli and harry saltzman who went to ian fleming and went hey you know what would be really great we should make your books into movies and Fleming said I like money yeah, yeah precisely let's do that. yeah he, he wasn't an artist <laughs> and because Casino Royale the rights had been sold for the TV show and I think at that time were owned by MGM mm-hmm. um, they couldn't get the rights to do Casino Royale first so they chose the 
novel Doctor No. Doctor No. Doctor No, which was set in the Caribbean, so I can only imagine that book treats its subject matter great. And just super well, yeah. Just super well. And they made Doctor No with then really unknown Scottish actor Sean Connery in a star making role. They were trying to get like I think it was like Cary Grant to play James Bond. The original... And Cary Grant was like, no, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a famous actor. Yes, I uh I'm Cary Grant. <clears throat> now the cool thing about Cary Grant was Cary Grant as the swish American debonair gentleman that he is. British. Yeah. Yeah, so it would have worked. It would have. I mean, he would have been like the suave, good actor that James Bond made. If I just think of like if Cary Grant got that role, how different the franchise would have become, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it would have he would have lent like respectability maybe to the role yeah. and like given like kind of a serious straightforward path with mm-hmm. these movies. But as you'll see, <laughs> Sean Connery and then, you know, historical movies after that kind of goes a different way yeah it descends into madness sometimes. yeah and 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 the madness is great now if you want yeah. like if you want the precursor to james bond with cary grant watch north by northwest by alfred hitchcock i love north by northwest it is one of my favorite movies we, we are gonna have to do a beer for north by northwest because that is that is my favorite hitchcock movie but the filmmakers really took that as the inspiration for kind of the template of bond and so they, they make Doctor No and they introduce Sean Connery, who uh, wore a wig in every Bond movie he was in. This is where you get a lot of the tropes of tuxedos, smoking, gambling, drinking, be- drinking, women. beautiful women, car chase. <laughs> and is, it is perhaps the most straightforward kind of being a spy movie of the entire series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love Doctor No. Yeah. I think it's up there as one of my favorites. It's it's in my top five. I'll, I'll say that. Do- Doctor No is, is a class. I think it gets unfairly overlooked because it is the first one. Mm-hmm. And like each Bond movie tries to up the stakes and up the stakes. Yeah. I, maybe maybe at the end of this, we can kind of briefly run through our top five Bond films. Maybe. That's going to be a challenge. But okay. But I think only sticking to classic era, not Daniel Craig. and Because like, I have this weird rule about it. Daniel Craig was a reboot. Interesting. Okay. Because otherwise my answer is just Skyfall. (laughs) (laughs) I bloody love Skyfall. I I think I'm going to... You can stick to the classics. I might break your rule a little bit. You you can break my rule a little bit. We'll see. So he proceeds to make four more Bond movies. From Russia With Love, which is a great, great movie and is actually Mm -hmm. my favorite Bond movie. Uh, because well, don't give away your list now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because real Cold War and just a great piece of uh, 60s <clears throat> cinema. But then you get perhaps... Perhaps you get Connery's finest moment here. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Goldfinger! I mean, Goldfinger is hopelessly quotable. The amazing, amazing theme song. A character called Pussy Galore, played by Honor Blackman, who sadly died this week that we are recording. Uh, She was 93, had a good life, so power to you. Rest in peace, Galore. Rest in peace, Galore. And who famously begins the movie as a lesbian until she meets James Bond. James Bond turned him straight since 1962. (laughs) 
as we talk about James Bond, I'm realizing how offensive these movies are. Oh, these movies are like, terribly offensive. They're, they're like, so offensive. I'm beginning to see why my wife doesn't really like them. Yeah, Lauren doesn't like them either. I, I think it's funny, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit. When you get to Pierce Brosnan yeah. era, they're really grappling with that a lot. Like They are. Pierce, Pierce Brosnan's like this suave, debonair, like James Bond. Not really much of a badass, uh, but... They're like cry, trying to make him like a womanizer without making him like without setting up setting him up to be this like enemy of feministas everywhere. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, so because we can do a, I mean, golden, um, golden, Goldfinger. So there's this great moment, and I use great in air marks as I say this, but there's this famous moment that Bond is on on at Miami Beach getting a massage by a very attractive blonde. Mm-hmm. And Felix Leiter, who's his CIA counterpart, comes up to him and says, Hey, Bond, we gotta talk about spy shit. And <laughs> Sean Connery stands up, turns the girl around, slaps her on the ass, and says, Run along now. Man talk. <laughs> Can you imagine yep. if Pierce Brosnan in 1995 tried that? Yeah, exactly. Amy. <laughs> Yeah, and so I think it's funny because there's a lot of time between, well, not a lot, but Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan, there's like four years, yeah. which in Bond time, that's that's a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really them trying to rework the Bond formula. Yeah. You know, like, how do we make Bond be a womanizer and also respectful towards women? I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Brosnan played it really well because, and I'm going to, I'm going to do a real quick jump across the series yeah. um, because I mean, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with it, but you get like Connery who's like sixties over the top. Then you get Lazenby who's only in for one Lazenby Lazenby only in for one movie. And that's the movie where he gets married. And then mm-hmm. Tracy who is played by Diana Rigg, who is really, really old in Game of Thrones. I recommend you checking her out in the original series of The Avengers with Patrick McNee, because she's insanely beautiful. She gets murdered. Then you get Connery coming back for Diamonds Are Forever, which I love. (laughs) And there's no mention of the wife. (laughs) There's no mention of the wife. Just he begins the movie tracking down Blofeld, who's responsible for for her um, demise. He's, he's grieving well. He's grieving very well with lots of murder and sex. That's right. And then you get Roger Moore, who plays... He plays Bond as someone who was good at killing but doesn't enjoy it. And Roger Moore is just a lover. He's like the good... I, there's like spectrums of Bond, right? Like You yeah. have like the badasses that always fight and like that's the meaning of their existence which really is connery dalton craig yeah yeah and then you have like the suave lovers that know how to you know woo people into telling them what they need like the true like essence of a spy you know not bold and like brash but like undercover and that's the moors and the brosnans i would argue how roger moore begins yeah, fair enough. <laughs> because Roger Moore, by the middle of it, realizes I'm a spy who walks into a bar and everyone knows who I am. I guess <laughs> I'm going to have fun. Yep. <laughs> Let's take James Bond to space. And then there's, and then you get Timothy Dalton, who um, I actually really like as James Bond. 
Good for you, because I absolutely hate him. <laughs> yeah, and, and so Dalton is an interesting guy. Roger Dal uh, Roger Daltrey. Um, <laughs> Timothy Dalton plays him very seriously. He actually plays him a lot like the books, minus the racism. And you actually run into a situation where they ran out of material to adapt after his first movie, The Living Daylights, mm -hmm. which is a very awkward bond where he teams up with the Taliban. Different times. And so... Um, Afghanistan's confusing. It really is. <laughs> For geopolitics, please reach out to Tyler maybe at, <laughs> at TMAPES1 on Twitter. Um, and catch my next, next episode of Geopolitics and You. <laughs> um, and so they do License to Kill, which actually then becomes a much more run-of-the-mill 80s action movie where you've got uh, Robert Darby as a drug baron and Bond sent in to stop him and destroy him. There's lots and lots of violence. It's perhaps still the most violent Bond movie to this day. It's just too much. It's, it's just... <sighs> it was one of the first ones I watched, along with View to a Kill, which is Roger Moore's last one. And the tonal difference between them is is hilarious. I think... I just... I think one of the reasons why I don't like Timothy Dalton, and maybe even... It might even not be his fault. It might just be Bond in the 80s. Yeah. It's like, I think of other 80, 80s movies that have come out during this time. Yeah. Like, action movies or, you know... There's so much better and like more well done <laughs> and like produced correctly and then you get like this james bond movie that's like i still want to be in the 70s but i have all this money to do 80s things but i don't really know how to do 80s things so yeah. i'm gonna like just blow shit up yeah well and it's <laughs> weird because when they go from Moore to dalton they kind of go from what are family movies family mm -hmm. action movies kind of indiana jonesy um, you know, I, I think we've spoken about this before. In the UK, uh, definitely, it is a big deal when you watch your first Bond movie with your dad or your uncle. Like, I still remember my first Bond movie. That will forever be your favorite Bond movie. It doesn't matter if it's like Die Another Day. You will love that movie. I was going to say, that was actually my first Bond movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, which, to your point... And I know now how terrible that movie is, but, but it has a fondness in my heart. Yeah. Because that is like one of the, I guess it was the first Bond movie I saw in theaters. Yeah. And so it just, it has a connection with me. Like people going back to the songs, people always say that the Madonna song at the beginning of that movie is one of the worst Bond songs. I would. And agree. for some reason I find it catchy and like, <laughs> I think it's because I saw it in the theaters and it was like, I was 12 years old and like, yeah. <laughs> And I was 12 years old, and I was like, "Oh, this is flashy and actiony, and like I like this type, like this kind of movie." And you, so you were I in know. eighth grade. I was, I was 12 at, years old. I was at university. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the reference to our age. I remember seeing our, it with like this episodes. girl I was seeing, and oh, oh god. Um, um, but yeah, I think to your point, like it doesn't matter what your first Bond movie is; it like quickly climbs to a point in your list of like i respect that one because i like that one precisely <laughs> you know? and i mean you can you can go through like what are like the good bond movies the bad bond movies every bond movie is insanely watchable because it, it's a yeah. bond movie yeah yeah um simple 
Yeah. Yeah. Simple. It's a spy. There's a megalomaniac. There's beautiful women and lots of violence. Exactly. Yeah. And so they go from Roger Moore, who was really kind of more family fair, even though one of his movies was called Octopussy, um, <laughs> to uh, to Timothy Dalton, whose first movie, The Living Daylights, I would say, is a lot. It leans more closely to Roger Moore, but you can tell there's this shift in tone. He plays a lot grittier. And then you get License to Kill, which um, in the UK was the oldest rated Bond movie um, at the cinema. So you went from Bond movies being like PG, PG-13 to a 15, which over here might have pushed it into R-rated territory. And then they had Or they to... just stretched what PG-13 meant. Or they... <laughs> Thank you, Spielberg. And so then you had this big gap between 1988? No. 89. 89, thank you. 1989, License to Kill, to 1995's GoldenEye. Which is like decades. Which is millennia in in the Bond world. Yeah, because, I mean, when I remember being a teenager, so to age myself, I was 12 when GoldenEye Doctor came, no out. came out. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was I was 12 when um, GoldenEye came out, and I remember going to see it in the movie theater, but up until that point, James Bond movies were those old movies I watched on TV. Yeah. And it was a huge deal. And so <clears throat> Pierce Brosnan comes in and begins playing James Bond. Now, the great thing about Pierce Brosnan, this is a very famous story, is he used to play a character on TV called Remington Steele. And Remington yeah, Steele was this gentleman thief, looked great in the tux, like he should have been Bond. And he was supposed to be Bond after Roger Moore. Remington Steele, it didn't look like they were going to um, renew the series. And so basically, the the deal was that if the series didn't get renewed, he could play James Bond. It's the final day of like the deadline of Remington Steele getting renewed. They hadn't heard anything, so they had organized a press conference to announce him as the new James Bond. He's leaving his house and he gets a phone call going, Guess what? Remington Steele renewed for season five! And he <laughs> couldn't play James Bond. Um, (laughs) which is like one of the saddest things ever where this story gets even sadder it was the final season of Remington Steel ugh I mean (laughs) and you know that you know that Pierce Brosnan was like I hate this character now pretty much I think I I think he he just ruined my Bond experience I think he phoned in that last season oh I'm sure just like Sean Connery phoning it into Diamonds are forever. <laughs> never die. You only die twice. Oh, you only you you only live twice. The infamous... never no no never say never again. That's oh, never say never again. Well, never <laughs> say never again actually has an interesting history as well. Uh, yeah, I just I was talking to Lord about this before we started recording, but there I remember watching Never Say Never Again in my dorm room in yeah. college with a group of guys, and there are literal like we were just making fun of it the entire time. There there are literal scenes when like Sean Connery is like you can tell he's like kind of fat and old yeah and like he just hates he's he like he he hates himself <laughs> yeah. for being back in a bond movie and there's like a scene when he's climbing a ladder uh-huh. up to um fight a bad guy and he, you can just see the exasperation in his eyes and just like <laughs> fuck why am i oh every goddamn okay movie. i need the money <laughs> 
Well, so, pop quiz then. Do you know what Never Say Never Again is a remake of? Um, is it a remake of Doctor No? No, it's a remake of Thunderball. Oh, Thunderball, okay. So, Thunderball is controversial in the, in the James Bond canon because Ian Fleming was working on that script with a producer called Ian McClory. And the movie never went anywhere. Yeah. And so Ian Fleming was like, well, sod it, I'll just put him in a book. And so he wrote the novel Thunderball based on the ideas of his and McClory's. Not giving McClory any credit. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> and so then the, the, the Bond producers read this really... Uh, it's the most confusing Connery um movie by far but they, it's ridiculous it is it makes no sense um but they 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 read it and they go shit yeah this is this is our latest movie and they make the movie while mcclory sues them and so bond was tied up in litigation for years to the point that mcclory uh won the rights to use the plot of thunderball and the character name of james bond for one movie and so and we got never say never again and we got never say never again and so like he's calling up sean connery going here's a boatload of cash because i want you to come back as bond and make this the biggest bond movie ever meanwhile the bond producers are going oh shit mcclory is already screwing us here we better make the best bond movie we can and release it the same year what what we got what we got lads and they go through all the scripts and they go through all the books and like octopussy Do you know what would be great in this movie that we're trying to compete with Sean Connery, the James Bond? Why don't we dress James Bond up as a clown and have him run around a circus? And they went, yes, this will beat Sean Connery coming back to James Bond. And you know what? It did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that movie is so terrible. It's so terrible, but I I have such a weird love of it. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, can we talk about one more movie that is not made by Eon that we that we have to discuss? Are we talking about the Peter Niven, Woody Allen, da- David area? Niven, David Niven? Yes, yes. Have you uh, have you seen? I'm guessing you've seen this movie. I've, I've seen this movie. How how amazing is this movie? <laughs> I remember even as a kid with zero taste and very easily amused, going, <laughs> "This isn't very good." <laughs> And because it's got, I mean, it's got David Niven, it's got Peter Sellers, it's got Woody Allen, it's got bloody Orson Welles, it's Mm -hmm. got women in bikinis. I mean, it's basically got everything I should love. And no. It's just, it's the most ridiculous. I mean, I think it is so ridiculous because just like a little plot overview for people (laughs) who might have not seen it. James Bond decides that he's going to name a bunch of other secret people, secret agents as James Bond to confuse the bad guy. And so Sir James Bond is going to train them on how to confuse the bad guy. This movie and so has for the plot. entire movie, you have a bunch of different James Bonds running around on screen. 
And it's not only confusing to the bad guy, but it's extremely confusing to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, and, and at one point, like, Woody Allen, who's playing the bad guy, like, starts hiccuping and little cartoon clouds. Bubbles. Bubbles yeah. come out of his mouth. And like they drank poison, right? Wasn't that... Yeah, and and you know, I want to be clear. This is pre very bad Woody Allen, so yeah. it's okay to like this movie. It's 1967. 1967 Woody Allen. Yeah, this movie is um is very weird. It, it, it's like so it, it's supposed to Woody Allen's character is trying to make a biological weapon <laughs> in order to make all women beautiful and then kill all the tall men because he's a short man. Which I just want to go on the record and say all women are beautiful, but you I, are you are more than your looks. You are yeah. your brains as well. Yeah, Woody Allen. Let's yeah, calm it down. You peg. <laughs> oh God, it, that movie! I it cracks me up. It's ter- it's, it's terrible. So bad. It's a terrible movie. But when I want to turn my brain off, and I just want to laugh, that's a movie. If I can find it, it's not often on, but it is hilarious, terrible and great to drink too <laughs> i was gonna say it's the kind of movie where you pour yourself an 11 percent beer nothing less no. <laughs> <laughs> i know i should say a 007 percent beer but no, no an no, 11 percent beer have two of them <laughs> before you begin yeah exactly yeah so how many bond films have there been no time to die is supposed to be bond 25 isn't it yeah 25 of eon I, 25 of, of eon. eon well they're the only ones that count so 24 bond movies and what's interesting about bond is bond always and we were kind of talking about this earlier bond always reflects the culture of which he's living so you got sean connery who is totally sexist and can have any woman he wants just by being sean connery which is (laughs) fair lazenby had one movie so sod him did you like george lazenby's movie I, I think it's actually one of the best Bond movies. I think he's not a great Bond. If Sean Connery had been Bond in that movie, we would not talk about any other Bond movie. I'm sure Lazenby went on to do other things and was maybe mediocre at them. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Well, you can't see this, but I'm shaking my head. I'm sure. I'm sure his mediocrity would continue to live to this day if he wasn't so terrible yeah. in this Bond movie. But he... <laughs> It's one of the few movies where you're like, this movie would have been good if they got a good Bond. Well, like, and it, it, he 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 literally ruins this movie for me. Well, and the thing is, is that I mean, anyone following Connery, and this is where I think Roger Moore got really lucky. Anyone following Connery straight off the bat is not going to. They they could have been. I mean, who who's a great action star right now? I mean, it could have been Liam Neeson. Oh, why why? Why did you go that way? Okay. It could have been Dwayne the Rock Johnson. There we go. That's better. Which would have been a very weird twist in the Bond's canon. <laughs> Bond just suddenly would be rolling over in his grave. Bond just suddenly bald and American and heavily tattooed, but you gotta smile like when he's a million jacked bucks. And you have to appreciate him. Yeah. And he's and he's a nice guy. Um but no, you could have had Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who, you know, throwing a throwing a Dwayne Johnson movie and I'm just entertained for like 90 minutes anything longer than that and I'm done everyone would have hated him so but I think what the producers went wrong with was they went with someone or maybe they went right maybe this is a deliberate move they went with someone who wasn't that great devoid of personality yeah I, I will say he is an extraordinarily bland Bond yeah it's amazing how bland he is he blends right in he really does 
what saves on Her Majesty is actually Diana Rigg. Now, Diana yeah. Rigg became famous because she was in this TV show, The Avengers of Patrick McNee, where each week it was an Adventure of the Week show and they were spies or something. I don't know. And they just go. Then yeah. And, and they just go on adventures, and he's a dandy, and she's an action woman. And she was really one of the first, um, to my knowledge, female characters on TV who really, really held her own. And so she comes into this movie, and obviously everyone has a preconceived idea of who this character is. And she really is the first Bond girl to be a challenge to James Bond. Yeah. I mean, she still sleeps with him. But... Well, I mean, it's, it's a... I mean, this, like I said, the storyline is really great. Yeah. You know, it's like a different... It sh- shakes things up. It completely, completely separates from Sean Connery and tries to go a different direction. Yeah. They just failed in who they picked as James Bond. <laughs> I'm sorry, George. It, it, it's okay. He's also not a great guy. Well, then I'm not sorry. No, you're, you're, you're a jerk. Uh, and so then they bring Connery back for Diamonds Are Forever, and then you get Roger Moore, and I think Roger Moore got so much more forgiveness from the public because when Connery came back from Thunderball, oh God. he's he's a little puffier, he's a little older, he kind of clearly doesn't give a shit what movie he's in. No, <laughs> I love that movie, but. Yeah, Connery did not do his finest performance that I think the audience went, well, at least he's better than Lazenby, but can we get someone good, please? Then they gave it to to Roger Moore, who, uh, based on his work in the old TV show The Saint, was actually who Ian Fleming always wanted uh, James (laughs) Bond to be played by. Well, there you go. There you go. That that was a lot of history in in 30 seconds. Uh, Do we want to try to run through? Maybe, like... Top three, top. Let's try five, let's, and then you can cut do, out whatever let, you want. Let's let's do top five. I think. I mean, Bond... maybe give a quick little plot synopsis. Oh, actually, yeah, I was gonna say top seven, but that's just too much. Oh, that's too much. That's fourteen between the two that's of four, us. Let's let's <laughs> do top five with a one sentence description. In no particular order. In maybe. no particular know. order. Ooh, this is challenging. All right, so my fifth favorite Bond movie is probably Goldeneye, and that is the first Pierce Brosnan movie. Mm-hmm. It is a story about a spy trying to stop uh, Russia from restarting the Cold War. It was the greatest reintroduction to this classic character because Brosnan played him classically enough that he kind of feels out of place with the um, environment that he's in, and they keep making fun of that in the movie. Yeah, I actually hated this movie, so I'm glad that you oh, said it. <laughs> it drives a tank through the streets of St. Petersburg. <laughs> how do you hate this movie? I don't know. I just it just doesn't connect with me. And and you know what? You can make fun of my number five because my number five is Pierce Brosnan's Die Another Day. Oh, okay. it's it's so ridiculous. It's been, <laughs> a guy gets diamonds shattered into his face. And they're in North Korea. Pierce Brosnan is captured and is a war criminal and then gets out of the war criminal and escapes to Hong Kong and then saves the world from there. And Halle Berry shows up randomly in Cuba. Yeah, that, okay. That, she's she's the bright spot of the movie. Her and yeah. Amanda... Um, Amanda Pike. Amanda Pike, yes. That's yes. It. Yep. Oh. Amanda Pike, Halle Berry, a 12-year-old boy. I had no chance. <laughs> Of course, that movie is going to be number five on my yeah. list. I like to call it Die Another Day, colon, if Moonraker wasn't enough, he has an invisible car. 
<laughs> Diamonds in the face, man. Diamonds out of the face. <laughs> All right, so my number right, four. Number four. Damn it, this this is this is challenging yeah. on the top of my head. My number four is probably Live and Let Die, which was Roger Moore's first movie, the black exploitation one. It's for all of its faults, and there are a lot of faults with this movie. It's just ridiculously fun, and the villain is amazing, Mr. Kananga. But also, you had a very young Jane Seymour play Solitaire. I don't put this in my top five, but it's decent. I would say it's mid, mid-level for me. Mid-level? All right. Yeah. Um, my number four would be Skyfall. I, I know uh, that you want to stick with the classics. I, you know, but... I'm struggling. I'm going to, I'm going to have to bring in classy and, and, uh, yeah, go, let, let you I, have that. And so maybe that was on your list, but I'm, I'll say it for both of us. And I think Skyfall just phenomenal. Like it's about, you know, I think the plot of it is someone is out to get M Dame Judy Dench. Dame Judy. Uh, uh, she's at the end of her career and someone comes back to haunt her and, um, Daniel Craig has feelings and saves saves her. Some men are coming here to kill us. We're going to kill them first. Exactly. Yeah, and it turns uh, into. I just I love that movie. It's it's so good. It is like quintessential Bond, and the villain is like perfect. Oh, happy about him. Oh God, talk about a great person to play a villain. Oh, so good. And and what I, the best description I ever heard of the movie was right after it came out, and I I worked at a cinema marketing company, and so we were all up on like the latest movies. And just listen to one executive tell the another executive, it's, it's like, yeah, in the final act, it just turns into a really violent version of Home Alone. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and then he just goes, but I really like Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just the greatest description. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I love that movie. So that's right. my number four. <clears throat> All right. My, my number three. Another problematic movie. You you and your problematic movies. I'm <laughs> glad that you like these because I... <laughs> you only live twice. Oh, God, really? Why is that on your okay, face? Okay, so you only <laughs> live twice. You remember how I told you about Roald Dahl? Yes. He wrote the screenplay. Did he really? He wrote the screenplay. Now, I'm not oh, sure God. there's a plot to You oh. Only Live Twice. Fun fact... <laughs> It is the only Bond movie where Bond doesn't drive a car. Hmm. Random fact. But hmm. what what does Bond do in this movie, you might ask? Well, he undergoes reconstructive surgery to turn him Japanese. They, they basically dye his hair black, put black eyebrows on him, and um, some rather terrible eye makeup. And Sean Connery is like, Konnichiwa. Oh, um, it's, so bad. it's so bad, but you then have this amazing scene in a hollowed-out volcano, which is Blofeld's lair, which has a monorail, and like the Japanese secret services like come in and slide down ropes, and there's a big gunfight at the end. It's just incredibly bonkers. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. that's not my favorite. I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> you put that on your list. Um, my number three, and you'll probably be mad at me for saying it's three. It probably should be higher, but I'm just gonna say it. Um, from Russia with Love. Oh, you stole my movie. Okay, <laughs> you stole my movie. All right, this, this is reordering things for me right now. But okay, right. so from Russia with Love, I mean, it's an actual spy movie, like in the heart of the Cold War. I think just the way that it's written, you have like Dr. No is trying to seek, re- uh, people are trying to seek revenge on Dr. No dying from Spectre. You got the woman with the knife shoe. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just, 
That's a great movie. I, like, I'll let you give it plot summary since I stole it from you, but it, I, I love this movie a lot. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, so essentially it's exactly that. Russia tried to infiltrate MI6 by uh, mi5 rather by um sending a postcard of a rather attractive special agent triple x to james bond that says from russia with love and they're like we think it's a trap but bond you look like you want to bone her go and get her go go so bond goes and gets this girl hijinks ensue and it it was the first introduction of specter in in the series which as uh, an overarching plot line which is one of the only ones in in the entire series but it's atmospheric it's fun it's probably connery's best performance yeah absolutely yeah it's really good all right What's your number three? Or Actually, I want to tell one two. story about From Russia with Love. Okay. I used to live with a Russian girl when I was at university. Yeah, and she was one of the sweetest people I've ever known, Evelina. And she had never seen a Bond movie because they were all banned in Russia for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows why? Who knows why? And so we were talking one day, a group of us talking in Bond came. So I was just like, I've heard of these movies. I've never seen them. And I'm like, well, okay. So I brought my TV out, my VCR. My VCR, Tyler. <laughs> My VCR. It's a it's a VHS player. Um, it's what we had before <laughs> DVD. And I showed her a couple of old Bond movies, and she enjoyed them. Like they weren't her theme, but she's like, "Oh, now I know what you're talking about." And after that, like when we used to exchange Christmas cards, she would always sign them from Russia with love, which was just <laughs> so that. sweet of her. She she was such a lovely girl. All right, my number two. Um, damn you for taking that one. Um, now you gotta start taking the ones that I think I'm gonna take. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I think all right. This this is a very personal choice for me. My number okay. two, even though it's no one's favorite, but it was the first one I saw. View to a kill. Which, Ugh, God, uh, your list is terrible. <laughs> Try again. We're doing this all over again. <laughs> you, you took Skyfall and from Russia with love from me. Um, no, View to a Kill, which is Roger Moore is probably 20 years too old to be playing the character and has Christopher Walken and is about a megalomaniac's plan to flood Silicon Valley uh, so he can control the world's microchip market. And it ends with a really cool set piece on the Golden Gate Bridge. Now, what was really cool about this movie is there's this action sequence in San Francisco City Hall. And they had to get permission to film in. And everyone told them, you're not going to get permission to film in there because you want to set it on fire and do a bunch of stunts. And we don't really want violence in, in our city hall. Well, the woman who was the mayor at the time or in charge of that decision was, as Roger Moore tells it, one of the only people on this planet who thought I was better than Sean and said we could do it. So <laughs> that's how they got permission to film in, in the San Francisco City Hall. Don't that's shake your head at me. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. <laughs> it, 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 it is terrible, but it begins in Paris and it's got that great. No, it begins with a ski thing. And yeah. the, the opening oh, credits. I do like that ski thing. The ski thing the is pretty cool with the Beach Boys, and then it goes to Paris, and then Christopher Walken turns Wait. up and he's unhinged, yeah. and he's the result Wait. of German Nazi testing. I thought A View to Kill. Wait, which one did you say? A View to a Kill. 
Yeah, okay. That that is the one with the ski one. Yeah. Is there another movie that has a ski intro to it? Yes, but I'm not going to tell you which one because that's my number one. Okay. <laughs> I I'm sorry if I take it without knowing that I'm taking it. Yeah, so hit me. Uh, my number two is The Man with the Golden Gun. Yes. Okay, but that is a fucking terrible movie. Really? Yes. Why, why is it terrible? Oh my god! You go from the gritty realism, <clears throat> black exploitation of Live and Let Die. Actually, no, that's pretty good. Yeah, Christ- okay. Christopher Lee is Scaramanga. Yeah, Scaramanga okay. is like one of the best, like one of the best villain Bond villains. With so his, I just feel like he has to be on this list with his tertiary nipple. Yeah, he's got three nipples. If anybody didn't know that, <laughs> and and who plays Scaramanga? Christopher Lee. Christopher no. Lee, who yeah. was cousins with Ian Fleming. Oh well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. He puts the homing device on Scaramanga's car and then falls. It's like it's all good. It's a it's, great movie. I mean, it's I kind of, it's kind of problematic because um, a pistol duel on a beach. Like, what more do you want? Well, because Scaramanga has a um, person of diminutive stature as his assistant, and during yes. a fight scene, Roger Moore puts him in a yes. suitcase. <laughs> yes, there is that. <laughs> But it also stars Maud Adams, who is the only Bond girl to come back to the series playing a different character. Because she plays Scaramanga and then Roger Moore's love interest, and then she comes back as Octopussy. I do like Octopussy. I won't put it on my list, because I know that's That's a terrible movie. That's a rough one for me. Huh? That's a rough one. That's a rough one for you. I think... So Octopussy was one of the first movies I saw, in, like one of the very first Bond movies I ever saw. Well, and, that, on TV. and that's why you're gonna love it. Yeah. So, but um, I understand how rough it is. Like I yeah. tried to rewatch it, and it's it is a little rough. It, it's a little rough. All right. What is your number one? My number one, which is actually my number one Roger Moore movie, is The Spy Who Loved Me. That's the, the ski, ski scene, scene that I really like and the most. So the famous thing about this ski scene is. He's in bed with a Russian agent's girlfriend, mm-hmm. so we, we're led to believe. And she's like, James, I need you. He's like, so does England. And I'm like, yeah, you're part of the British Secret Service, but all right, just just choose one country out of the four. <laughs> um, and he skis, and there's a big gunfight, and then he skis off a cliff. And you're like, oh my god, he's skiing off. He's like flying through the air, and this is all real. What's going to happen? And then her parachute comes out, and the Union Jack is the parachute, mm-hmm. and you get the Bond sting, banner, banner, yep. and a ski hits the parachute, and you're like, oh shit, he's gonna die, but he doesn't. And then you go into the opening credits. Yeah, that, I love I love that opening it scene. It is it is perhaps outside of the gun barrel scene that is the most I iconic moment of bond for me that okay yeah i can see that and i'll, and I'll the, give that to you and the plot line exactly the same as you only live twice <laughs> shocking i know right it's like they recycle <laughs> plots um which is about um a guy who's planning world domination but this time not from a volcano that would be stupid he plans it underneath the ocean yes and that's so, one of the reasons why i liked octopussy because like the base is all underwater and it's just really yeah weird. <laughs> and and so the the bond girl uh barbara bach who is also known as mrs ringo star spends mm-hmm. about a third of the movie soaking wet which <laughs> watching this movie as an impressionable young boy left an impression yeah Sure did. Yeah, I have a type. Um, so you're number one. I, I mean, 
If I don't say Goldfinger and that is excluded from our list, are we allowed to have a podcast anymore? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to go with Goldfinger. You gotta go I'm also going to apologize to my to our audience for Andrew's terrible list that left <laughs> off things like Thunderball, Doctor No, Moonraker. <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> like, I I, I, tr- like... I tried to hold up the conversation, but Andrew just have to keep diving off of these weird. <laughs> I know it's questionable, but conversations. <laughs> oh my god. So I have to go with Goldfinger, um, just as to make sure that our podcast is reputable. Yeah, um, I, I, I set Andrew's it up for you, like, my friend. What the hell are these people talking about? I set it up for you. This has been one of our most round the houses conversations. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's start a. Fact- It'll be good to cut and put and move yeah, around. It'll, It'll be, be fine. fine. No, um, just like we're like, here's a really interesting story about James Bond, the series. Tangent, tangent, tangent. I got another story. I got another story. Got another story. These five movies that I think are terrible, <laughs> they're really good, but are actually terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, do I need to go over the plot of Goldfinger? Because I feel like Goldfinger is pretty well. Gold. I mean, so, Goldfinger. I mean, you might as well just the the, the plot can be summed up in one line. So, or Goldfinger is trying to steal all the gold from Fort Knox. Well, okay, <laughs> little little correction here. What Goldfinger is trying to do because he has a he wants to live his life with gold. What he's trying to do is he has a stockpile of gold, and so he plans with Pussy Galore's lesbian air force. I think that's the name of it. <laughs> yes, I think that's. I think that's the, the name of it. <laughs> Is, the USS Lesbian. USS Lesbian. Is the, is, is the aircraft carrier that they all took off from. <laughs> his plan is to spray <clears throat> nerve gas. It's nerve gas. Yeah, or no, sleeping, sleeping, sleeping gas. gas. Uh, across Fort Knox so all the soldiers fall asleep. He then drives in with an atomic bomb. And his plan is to set off the bomb, turning the US gold supply nuclear for like a hundred years, driving up the price of gold. That he has. That's the point. I mean, it's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant idea. Brilliant movie. But who's the who's the guy with the hat in in this one? Odd job. Odd job. That's right. Yeah. And he has he has a hat and he throws it and it's got like a metal mm-hmm. thing in it because it like gets stuck in a door and then James yeah. Bond takes the hat. It's 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 a whole thing. It's, it's great. A whole thing. It's a great movie. Basically, um, my, my... I expect you to die, James Bond. My my recommendation to you, if you haven't already or don't know. If you have, I believe, Hulu and Amazon Prime, you can pretty much watch every James Bond movie there is up to the Daniel Craig's. Daniel Craig, yeah. I know I've, we've talked a lot about the classic Bonds. I love the Daniel Craig run, except Spectre, which is a piece of shit. I just hate that movie. Um, I hate Casino Royale, so... I don't understand you. It's um, so boring. How is it it's, boring? It's people playing cards for two hours, and it's so annoying. <laughs> what about the parkour scene at the beginning? Ugh, <sighs> it's such a bad movie. Um, <laughs> I think it was like, people were like, you know what's really popular right now on ESPN? The World Te- Texas Hold'em Championship. We should do a whole movie with people playing Texas Hold'em. Well, to be fair, and then it'll be famous. In in the it's original just, book, it was Baccarat, and no one knows how to play that. Yeah, but it's just oh, it's just it's so bad. <laughs> I, if I wanted to watch two hours of people playing cards, yeah, I would go down to the old folks' home, <laughs> set up a lawn chair, and just watch them go to town. 
I'm okay. I'm never inviting you to a poker night, partly because I don't <laughs> have one. I don't have enough friends. Uh, <laughs> Tony, you're my only friend. <laughs> no. I, and I know people like Casino Royale. In fact, I think it's Lauren's favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lauren's favorite Bond movie. But I I strongly dislike Casino Royale. I, I'm, I, I'm glad that they were able to turn it around with Daniel Craig when it came to Quantum <laughs> Solace, which I know that's a really such controversial a statement. minority <laughs> opinion right now. Like, you're making my list I'm look like... Rant, the, damn it. Let me <laughs> you're making my list look like the greatest list of Bond movies ever, and even I know it's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> No, it Casino Royale is terrible. Oh, just, you're so wrong. You're movie. so wrong. So wrong. But after Quantum of Solace is um, Skyfall, Skyfall, which I believe is the first time you see James Bond drink a beer. It's true. It's true. So there's no, uh, there was no, you know, advertising placement in that at all. No, I he mean, just naturally ordered a beer. I want a Heineken now. <laughs> The shit beer of Europe. <laughs> so with that, shall we talk about the beers we made for James Absolutely. Bond? We should say that these beers are uh, dedicated to our favorite James Bond character, <laughs> or the favorite actor that played James favorite Bond. Favorite actor. I, for me, second favorite, but, uh, you know, I he was, he was my Bond. He was my first Bond, and so I, yeah, I brewed a beer in his honor. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I, I would say let's let's go let's go chronological because you know we're we're talking about the two most iconic men to play James Bond. It's true. So I I'm going first, and uh, I brewed a beer for uh, Mister Sean Connery. I don't think he's sir. Has he been knighted? I don't think he's been knighted. I think he, he has. should be knighted. I think I think he. Has he? Because he's for Scottish independence. Oh, that's problematic. That is problematic. Yikes. Let's just call him Mister as a as a term of respect. Yeah, Mister Connery. Mister Connery. Here's to you, Mister Connery. Um, <laughs> Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. We're still the, doing one on the graduate now. <laughs> the. <laughs> The quintessential James Bond character, in my opinion, who was a bodybuilder before he became James Bond, who had no discernible acting talent, and he just really set this movie, this movie genre, in the proper direction, in my opinion. He, you know? I, I would say, he was the definitive gentleman spy. That's true. Yeah. So, so for Mister Connery, I brewed him a milk and honey Scotch ale, for obvious reasons, because he's Scottish and Scotch ale, obviously. So this beer, it has a lot of malts, so hold on to your seats as I list all these things off. Uh, it has five pounds of Maris Otter, 0.65 pounds of caramel, 0.65 pounds of dark malt, four pounds of smoked malt, 1.3 pounds of flaked oat, 1.3 pounds of malt, brown malt, 0.2 pounds of amber malt, and 1.1 pounds of chocolate English, 1.3 pounds of light Munich, and 0.5 pounds of medium crystal. Good God, man. I know. <laughs> um, lot, lots of different grains going on in that bill. There is. Um, there's 1.25 ounces of first gold. Um, you can also use East Kent or whatever. Is it East Kent? East Kent Golding, EKG. Yeah, East EKG uh, instead of first gold. And then, um, which is what I used. I used EKG. Um, and then 1.25 ounces of fugal hops fuggle fuggle yes. 
Fogel? Fogelhorn. I'm, I'm, I'm British. Um, I'm going to correct you on your, on your pronunciation. But yeah, Fuggle. Fuggle. Whatever. Fuggle. Um, <laughs> then I put half a pound of honey and then uh, one pound of lactose sugar into there. So you put um, you put a one ounce of uh, the EKG in at 60 minutes, so right when it starts boiling, and then one ounce of Fuggle right when it starts boiling. Um, and then you put half an ounce of honey or sorry, half a pound of honey and one pound of lactose in at 30 minutes. And then you put the last quarter ounce of EKG and fugal fuggle in at uh, flame out last 15 minutes, I guess. And then I used American ale yeast. Um, it's supposed to come out to 7.3%. Mine came out to 6%, but you know. You know, I, I've got to say we've we've been drinking this during during the episode, and it is just delightful. It's phenomenal. It's it's one of my favorite beers I've done so yeah. far, next to the Mai Tai. If um, and we don't normally do this, but I because I know what beer you were really kind of modeling this off. Um, if you like Odell's ninety shilling, this is better. Yeah, actually, so we should give a little bit of a story to this beer, which is um, Brew Dog. Um, the brewery and are they in Cincinnati or Columbus? Well, they're actually, so they have a hotel in Ohio, but they okay. originate from Scotland. Oh, they're Scottish. They're Scottish. Oh, I didn't know they were Scottish. Which makes this even more well, appropriate. Even better. Look yeah, at that, Sean. Look at that. I, took a, I took a beer from your homeland. <laughs> um, so this brewery, uh, during this quarantine situation, they released a big book of every beer that they ever brewed um, for home brewers. Um, and this beer was from that book. So I just want to give a shout out to Brew Dog and thank them for doing that because they didn't have to. And your beers are amazing. Yeah, we, um, I mean, I always make sure that um, when you're at the GABF, I stop by your stand every year just to like taste whatever else you got going on. Cause I love not me brew dog. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyler, you not have a stand at great American beer fest. <laughs> and if he did, I'd be offended. He didn't invite me, but no brew dog, uh, brew dog are one of my favorite breweries. Um, and I, I really, uh, especially during this, um, quarantine, uh, the way they're treating their employees, um, they're taking pay cuts. They're, they're the, the two founders are actually, not taking a salary right now the coo took a 50 percent pay cut um just to try and make sure that they can keep everyone employed and they've started making hand sanitizer that they're giving away to health workers and the health services in the uk for free and to anyone who's in need so they are an amazing company yeah yeah and i i want just again want to reiterate thank you for publishing your recipes and this one turned out really great so yeah. If you guys, if all the homebrewers out there that are listening, if you want a good place to go get some inspiration, check out the Brew Dog recipe book. And you know, if the <clears throat> Brew Dog guys listen to this podcast and go, "This is the best thing I've ever listened to," or not the best thing they've ever listened to, but would like to come on, we would love to have you on. Absolutely. Yeah, you have an open um, invitation. What what kind of flavors did you like in this one? Like, what did you get out of there? You know, I got I got kind of caramel and a roastiness to it, which mm -hmm. uh, was just delightful. And I'm actually drinking it the day we're recording. It's cold and snowy outside, and this is like the perfect like cold weather drink. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, I I was actually a little nervous about the amount of smoked malt. Mm -hmm. 
uh, oh. four pounds is it seems four like pounds a is a lot of smoked and i gotta say like there is a smokiness to it i've used smoked malts in the past and it is not always my favorite thing to use mm -hmm. but it really yeah i mean I, i'm trying to think what it's almost like having a coffee for a beer. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't like coffee. Which yeah. Is... Well, no, like that, that kind of warm, smoky feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Scottish whiskeys, the really, really good ones tend to be peaty, so maybe that's what I'm picking up on. Yeah. Uh, the the yeah. smoke isn't... What I'm trying to say is, in a very inelegant way, is the smoke isn't overwhelming. Yeah, I agree. It didn't come out really overwhelming. In fact, I mean, I would probably still, I, I can still taste it. I, I would almost take it down to like 3.75 pounds yeah. just to see if that makes a difference. But really for, I mean, it, it, it came out and it's not overwhelmingly smoky. So don't worry about that. If you guys don't like smoke, it's still there on the nose, but you don't, it's not terrible. So. It, it's, it's not like drinking a Lagavulin whiskey, if you've had that, which is like one of the peatiest whiskeys out yeah. there. I love it. I had my wife try one once, and um, yeah, that didn't go well. Yeah. I imagine. I, imagine. <laughs> I don't know why. So, um, so what beer did you make for your So I, I made a Roger Moore Mild. And so... I was thinking that I was thinking about my favorite bonds and everything, and uh, a lot of them tend to be Roger Moore movies. And I was like, well, what kind of, you know, what what kind of characteristics are there of Roger Moore? And he is a very mild man in James Bond. He's not, he's ironically not a man of action in action movies. He's very even keeled. Very even keeled. Reasonable. And and so I <clears throat> wanted to brew something that was low in alcohol, which is ironic for James Bond below in alcohol something that you could enjoy multiple of and you know really just kind of i don't know just just feel nice about it so yeah. i decided to brew an english mild um and so unlike tyler's this is a super simple recipe which uh i put together after doing research on english miles and i think i stole and replaced from like five different recipes so it's seven pounds of maris otter one pound of flake oats, eight ounces of British crystal malt, and then eight ounces of carapils. And then this only has one ounce of hops in it. It's um, half an ounce of EKG at the 90 minute mark, and then half an ounce of EKG at the 20 minute mark. So super simple to brew and 90 minute mash, 90 minute boil, and then obviously uh, an English yeast um for for the fermentation it came out to it actually came out a little stronger than i meant it to i was going for like a three and a half percent beer and this came out of four percent so woo! if you're in britain Yikes. this this will knock your socks off um and then i i you know as is my want i put it on nitro and it was just a really nice easy drinking pint to have in the house which was good because at the time my other beer on tap was an 11 percent stout so it was it was yeah. a good even keel yeah I, I love this beer it was like nice and malty but yeah. it was like it had a good freshness to it like it wasn't heavy mm -hmm. it was a good beer to like you know sit out uh on the porch and just drink on a nice warm day yeah <clears throat> which normally like with a malty beer i don't do that i like more like floral or ipas mm -hmm. or cleaner beers but this one 
came out and it was perfect to just i think we drank it when we were brewing one day didn't we 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 were drinking it the day we brewed our lagers that since got affected should we tell the fine listeners about our troubles since our last uh season yeah i i kind of want to do an off flavor episode i think that'd be really interesting um so we decided for because i had fridge space so we decided for uh future episodes we would each do a lager and so I was doing a Hellas, and Tyler, you're doing a Martin. I know, a Maybach. A Maybach. And we followed our recipes. We followed every, uh, every standard you're supposed to follow. We cleaned, sanitized, everything. Well, we're doing the lagering process and, you know, making sure that everything's following track. I took a taste the other night. And they each had um, a horrible medicinal kind of iodine smell and taste to it. And what was really shameful was we brewed this right at the beginning of all this COVID-19 awfulness in the States. Mm -hmm. So early mid-March. And when it got announced Colorado was going to a lockdown, I went down to the Brew Hut, which shout out to them. They're an essential business and are doing curbside pickups and we love them. And so I went and got recipes for two beers and these were going to be my quarantine beers. These were beers I've brewed a thousand times before, one being um, the jelly donut from Ready Player One and one being the vanilla cream ale from Ghostbusters. Well, I took a taste of our lagers and they had this awful taste. Then I took a taste of my other two beers and they had the same off flavors. And that was a very bad day for me. <laughs> 15 gallons of beer just gone. 20, 20 gallons. 20, 20 gallons. gallons. Yeah, sorry. 20 gallons, including mine. And and so talking to uh, the guys at the Brew Hut, uh, based on the off flavors, what they believe it was is that there was too much chlorophyll in the water on the days we brewed. Because when you're using city water, you obviously don't have control of the elements in there. And so different levels um, kind of go up and down. And the yeast attaches to the chlorophyll and creates this god-awful taste. There's no way you can get it out. You can't lager it out. Um, and so we had to dump all of those. And apparently the way you do it, which you should generally do as a good rule of thumb anyway, is to use Camden tablets, which basically neutralize those agents in the water. Just brewed the jelly donut again this weekend because my wife really likes it and it's our quarantine beers. And so I'll be taking a test of it on Friday before I brew two more beers this weekend to make sure that that's okay. And if it isn't, I'm going to go and buy 20 gallons of reversed osmosis water. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So... Even though Denver has very good water, a good thing is, um, and I'm not anywhere near that in my skill set, is to kind of do water testing and make sure you know what is in and isn't in your water. I am 90% certain that was the issue because I've actually had this off flavor randomly before. And the fact that it's always the same infection that's the only thing that I can think of. So it was. It's been a rough. It's been a rough week outside of uh, quarantine. Yeah, for, it, for it Andrew got, it, and it, me. It, it got even. I rougher. only lost five gallons. I only lost fifteen. <laughs> it, it got even rougher because it's like I'm about to be a lot more sober. Yeah. <laughs> also, going back to your list, literally the worst movie on Rotten Tomatoes 
for James Bond. Guess which one it is. Die another day. No. A View to Kill. Okay. No. <laughs> no, it is it is the worst one on your on this list of Rotten Tomato. Movies. Okay, but I would also like it known that Rotten Tomatoes gave The Last Jedi one of the highest scores of Star Wars. So well, we can talk about that on another we'll episode. We'll talk about that on another episode. <laughs> but the third worst movie on the list was The Man with the Golden Gun. So Oh there you go. What was what was the, um what was the second lowest? Uh, the second lowest is Octopussy. Okay, neither one of us had that, so we can we can feel good about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pierce Brosnan is in the bottom. He, so those three are the bottom three. The next three after that are Pierce Brosnan movies. <laughs> <laughs> World is not enough. Die another day. Tomorrow never dies. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. What is the best movie on Rotten Tomatoes? Gonna go with Skyfall. Nope. Golden Finger? Yeah, Goldfinger well, is yeah. the best. All right. Followed by Casino Royale, which they're wrong. Yeah. Fair <laughs> to enough. To see all my reasons why. Just rewind to my rant about <laughs> poker games on a movie. Uh, and then the number three is Dr. No. Rotten Tomatoes, controversial opinions as always. Four is from Russia with Love, and five is Skyfall. I had at least three out of my five as the top five. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say I have a better taste in movies than you do, but I'm just saying Rotten Tomatoes and I agree very closely. <laughs> All right, well, shall, shall we wrap it up? <laughs> yeah, we should probably wrap this we up. We should wrap it up before it gets, it gets personal. As always, thank you so much for listening. Um, as we're recording this, obviously the world is in a horrible shit show right now. So we do hope that everyone is honestly uh, safe and healthy. If you want to reach out to the show, you can email us at popculturebrews at gmail.com or you can get us on Twitter at popculturebrews, which is also a handle on Instagram. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Saundersbrew. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at tmabes1. Thanks so much. Toodles. Toodles.